Hey, if you want to turn in your Bible to Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2, last week we uh, went to Open Streets. How many of you guys went and enjoyed Open Streets? Wasn't that a blast? Um, We've been hearing a lot of things about our church being right in the middle of it. I want to celebrate a few key people who were involved in that. Luke Culp, Christina Bradford, and Kristen did a a monster job just planning it, making sure it went awesome. And then uh, uh, John... Kristen's husband and Matt and Andrea Mullen jumped out there. They were there for about six hours that day, and all four, all six of them were there, and they just never left and uh, greeted a ton of people, and I'm just super thankful for that. The, the commitment to reach our city uh, was, was awesome. And uh, we are doing baptisms just after the service, so don't take off. Uh, and it's warm, just so you know. Just, I'm just, just going to tell you, all the excuses you got, we thought about. And uh, so if you want to get baptized today, you didn't come planning on it, that's okay. Uh, you can get baptized. We got a shirt. The thing's warmed up. We got cake. Uh, that has nothing to do with baptisms, but, uh, but we, we really would love for you to jump in and be a part of that. Um, we've got five people getting baptized afterwards, but I'd love to add a few to that. Uh, if you've never been, or if you did it when you were like four and you're not really sure, uh, what all that was about. So we'd love to be a part of that, um, step in your journey. Colossians chapter two, we started a series a few weeks back, uh, called Jesus the Christ. Anybody remember that? Okay, cool. Jesus the Christ. And, uh, and what we, what we, the reason for the series is you come out of Easter and you celebrate Jesus and you're championing Jesus and you're talking about Jesus. And then you get to your daily, everyday life and you kind of go, okay, one, do I really know who he is? Two, is he actually that important to me? And three, did I know that Christ was not his last name? Christ was a title. It was a it was a, 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 a title given to Christ because he was anointed to save. So his na- first name was to save, similar to Joshua, to save, to set free. Christ was the anointed one. They reserved that title for the one who was going to come and set people free. And so Christ is not just a, hey, Brandon Cole and Jesus Christ, nice to see you. It's Jesus the Christ, the anointed one, the one anointed, the only one anointed to set people free, and not just physically, but spiritually. And, and so we started this series with the hope that we could uh, jump off of Easter and really make Jesus the center of our world. Because I think for so many of us, we tend to add to uh, what our faith is about. We tend to add to the name Jesus. And, and I understand why we do that. Sometimes it's easier to kind of give some measurables and make sure we've got this nailed down and this nailed down and this nailed down. And there are those types of things in the Bible, but sometimes we put the result God wants above the purpose and the, the method and the mechanism that makes those things happen. Um, we, we tend to put bare fruit before plant seed, right? We tend to put actions before faith. Uh, we, we tend to put become a new creation before we've buried old things. And we, we tend to make sure that we measure things before we ever make sure we love Jesus and have experienced the love of Christ. And so the whole point of this series is to, to kind of deal with that. Because in, we started it just to set some context. Uh, Matthew writes about Jesus going to his disciples and asking them two big questions. We tend to only talk about one of the two, but both of them are important. Because one of them sets the context uh, for the other. And the first question he asked his disciples was what? Who do people say that I am? I think the church needs to do better about figuring out who the city and the culture they live in think Jesus is. I think too many times we're answering questions or dealing with issues that nobody's actually asking about. 
We need to know who people think Jesus is. And so they answered with some, some nice words. Like they didn't demean him. They just said, well, he's John the Baptist or he's Jeremiah or he's Elijah or he's one of the prophets. Which is not a bad thing. Those are all big names. Those are big deals to call someone John the Baptist or Elijah. That's a big deal. But it just wasn't big enough. And so then they asked the question, well, Jesus asked the question, who do you say that I am? Peter jumps in and says, You're, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He took it to a whole other level. I think one of the biggest challenges for us as people is that sometimes we think Jesus is really good. We don't always think he's great. We think he's, he's a really nice guy. We're just not sure he's going to save us. Right? We think he's a prophet. We're just not sure he's divine. And we allow the good news of Jesus to become just good. And we don't allow it to be the thing that actually radically changes our life and who we are. Because we make it about other things. And so Paul is writing to a people in a city called Colossae, and that's why the book is called Colossians. He's writing to these people, and he's saying to them, hey, I know what other people are saying to you about who Jesus is, but I want to remind you who Jesus is. That's why when you read the book of Colossians, you discover some really big things about Jesus. It's why Paul spends so much time hammering at different aspects of who Christ is. So even in Colossians 1, which we talked about last week, what do we deal with? The fact that he is supreme. There is none other before him. He doesn't, in fact, even with all the things that they're dealing with, because this is a group of Gentile believers, uh, they, they are trying to figure out, which just meant they weren't Jewish, they didn't have the tradition, they didn't have the history, and they're trying to figure out how to live this life of faith. And Paul had never visited. This was an indirect result of a ministry he had started in another city. So this guy at Paphras comes to Paul in prison and says, hey, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. You need to know this. Like they're doing some good things, but they're not quite like they're, some things are starting to encroach on the good news of Jesus. Have you ever had good news and then you, you, you kind of sit with it for a little bit and you're really excited and then you start thinking of other things? You start worrying about this and what about this and what about, like even good things sometimes become heavy things. Because all the anxiety that we carry and all the worries about this or that. And so Epaphras is coming and saying, hey, it's all good. It's just there's some things that are starting to happen. And Paul, in the first part of Colossians 1, doesn't demean the Colossians. He doesn't think less of them for what they're dealing with. He thinks more of Christ. I think one of our issues as people is sometimes what we try to do to fix our problems is, is to make ourselves think less of ourselves because we're dealing with an issue or dealing with a circumstance. The solution is always, 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 always thinking more of who Jesus is. Because it sets a tone in our life and it sets a perspective in our life that changes how we deal with circumstances. It is rare that you're ever just going to have all good circumstances. It's, it's rare that you're just always going to have good situations. So the idea that when you become a follower of Christ that everything gets easy is not, not a correct idea. But the idea here is that when you become a follower of Christ, Christ becomes your supremest, supreme thing. It is the number one thing. And in that, you begin to have a different perspective about the circumstances you're in and about the situations you're walking through. So we dealt with that in Colossians 1. Now I want to read to you Colossians 2. And I want to, yes, I said Colossians 2 without any verses. I'm going to read all of Colossians 2. Some of you didn't get your daily Bible reading in today because I know all of you do it. Uh, so I'm going to hook you up. I'm going to read Colossians 2. I'm going to read the whole thing. I just decided I'm going to read it all. You guys good with that? Yeah. So we're going to read 23 verses together. And I'm going to try to show you uh, my reading ability. And I'm going to do my best. Uh, Colossians chapter 2. Are you guys ready? 
I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have a complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is, which is Christ himself, the mystery. Everything that this is built up to is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you accepted Christ, you must continue to follow him. As you received him, run with it. Quit adding things to it. As you received him, run it. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built upon him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. How awesome is that? How many of you want to overflow with thankfulness? The kind of overflowing that impacts the people around you. As we've said many times in this church, the life God wants to give you is an abundant one. It's a, an overflowing one, which means you have more than enough. You don't have to be stingy. You don't have to be selfish. You don't have to be greedy. You got more than enough to give. Overflowing always affects what is outside the cup, not in it. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but when you pour too much into a cup and it overflows, it doesn't go back into the cup. That would be pretty cool, but it pours out of the cup. So the life God's giving you, the whole point is that you would be so full that it begins to overflow into the people around you. Amen? Overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. I love that. High-sounding nonsense. That does exist. Anybody know that? That come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God. That's the second time he said this in the letter to the Colossians. It, all the fullness of God in the human body. So you also, because you know him and he's full of God, you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you come to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life, because, everybody say because, because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all of your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. You guys, this is good, right? This is good stuff. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly. Man, I love that God taunts. I just think it's cool. They should allow dancing in the NFL. Because God taunts, why can't we, right? He disarmed them and then, and then shamed them in the streets publicly by his victory over them on the cross. What they thought they were shaming him with, he turned around on them. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. I don't know if you understand here, but there's a mixture of different things that they're celebrating because on one hand, they got tr Jewish tradition that they're trying to navigate. On the other hand, they have this Gnostic kind of thing that's trying to earn salvation. And, they're, and then they've got the festivals of pagan cultures. And they're, they're trying to figure out what works. And, they're, and here's Paul going, don't let people beat you up about this stuff. 
For these rules are only shadows. This is the part that we're going to hang out in today. These rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with its joints, ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. For you have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why, this is a good question, why do you keep on following the rules of the world? such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Only Christ can do that. How's that? You guys good? I made it. Y'all made it. We're in good shape. So here's what I want to talk to you about today. And the New Living Translation says it a bit different, uses the word reality. But in other translations, it uses the word substance. In week one, we talked about the supremacy of Christ. Today, I want to talk to you about the substance of Christ. I want to talk to you about the fact that he is the reality we live in. We don't live according to other things. We don't we live according to the shadows of old teachings or rules or traditions or cultural narratives. We live according to the substance, which is Christ Jesus. And this is, a, this is kind of a difficult scripture because it, it kind of begins to say, hey, you don't get to say don't do that and don't do that and don't do that when, when we really feel like we should be able to say don't do that and don't do that and don't do that. But again, that's putting the cart before the horse. That is saying, why don't you figure out how to do things before you actually know the one who's going to empower you to do those things? See, our thing is feeling so strong and independent of ourselves that we think we're going to be these people without the help of Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit that he wants from us. Why do we keep putting the pressure on ourselves to do that? It is the Holy Spirit's job. It is simply our job to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus so that the Holy Spirit might continue to transform us into the image of Christ. It is not your job to bear fruit. It is your job to have the seed of Christ planted in your spirit and to nurture it and to water it and to keep that thing growing so that God can bear fruit in your life. I want to pray over this as we jump in. Lord, I thank you so much, God, for today. And I pray that you would take the words I speak and the ones that are wrong, make people forget them. The ones that are good, Lord, I pray they get into the hearts of people. The Holy Spirit, you would guide me, lead me. Let this be a day of life change. Let this be a day where we celebrate people stepping into new life. God, I pray those in here who have kind of just been on the edge of making, making that decision to go all in, God, would do that today. Because you are supreme and you have a substance to you. There is something in you that brings life and hope. So I pray that as we talk today, as we share your word, God, I pray that you would move in our hearts, the Holy Spirit, you would speak to us and allow us to walk into new life, into a new place of living. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you've ever uh, been scared of a shadow. Anyone? Been scared of a shadow at any point in time? 
I remember years and years ago, there was about four or five of us kids. We were kids, and uh, uh, we were hanging out, and I think we had a babysitter. I don't know. Actually, I think my sister was old enough at the time to watch us, so we didn't technically have a babysitter. We had a bully. And, uh, and so we were, uh, we were hanging out, and we had a couple friends with us. And, but it was one of those, like the other night, when the rain came through and, 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 you know, those Texas storms, that even though we have all, like, seen and dealt with, we all still freak out about when it's just a little bit dark outside. And uh, last night we hung out, and the, that rain just came in an instant, didn't it? It was gnarly. Uh, but I, uh, I remember being in our house, and I, I remember our house, my parents moved from California. And in California, you put windows on every wall because it just never gets so crazy hot. You can't just open one and the air flows through. And In Texas, you don't do that because if you're facing east and west, if the sun's going down, your, your house is like an oven. Well, we did that. And so we have windows on every wall. And I remember... It's raining and pouring, and it's, 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 it's a little bit scary just as kids. We're just worried about it. Our parents are gone because they obviously loved us, and, uh, and we are, are dealing with and, 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 and then all of a sudden what happens is uh, there's a light behind, from our backyard in our backyard, and it's shining through our window, but, but before it hits the window, it's hitting a bush. It's hitting a big bush that's right just outside our window. And, and in the rain and the wind, this bush is shaking back and forth. And at one point, the lightning flashed, and I swear to you, somebody said, and it might have been me, I don't know, somebody said, oh my gosh, there's somebody in the window. And we all freak out. And so we, as six, seven kids, one of us grabs a bat, like, you know, sometimes we just think we're, we're going to be brave enough in the moment to use a bat. I'm pretty sure if I had a bat and someone came in our house, I would throw it and run. You know, like, leave and just take off. And, 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 we're just, and what we do is we sit on the stairs, all six, seven of us, and we stare at this window, just waiting to figure out, is that really a person? Are we okay? And we're like, we're playing the staring game. Like, as if someone was standing in the window, if, us sat, if we were sitting there staring at them, that they would stay there. Like, they wouldn't have run by this point. And we're just looking out the window. We just think, somebody's out there. We figure this is the best option. Let's stand in the stairs. He won't come in if we stare him down. Right? We are intimidating 12-year-olds. And we're staring at this window. And, it, and finally, the storm goes away. And we start to realize it's just a tree. Like, there's nothing there. It was just the shadow that was making us scared. And I don't know about you, but there are times where shadows can mess with your head a little bit. Uh, maybe you walk into a different room of your house and where the sun was shining one way, now it's shining the other way and you see a shadow and you just kind of panic a little bit. And some of you are just trying not to admit the fact that at least once a day you are scared of your own shadow. You see something at night. And shadows are interesting though because they don't always cause fear. Sometimes if you ever tried to take a good picture, you're trying to take a good picture and there's just too many shadows and you can't quite get a good shot because all the, they're coming across the face, you can't quite see, or you, and so you're moving people around. Shadows kind of keep you unsettled. It's, things are a little bit unclear. Last night, uh, our son, we were laying on the uh, couch, and, and he thought he saw a snake in our backyard. It turns out it was just a, an extension cord. <laughs> but because of the way the light and the wind and everything else was hitting it, he thought there was a snake. He just saw a shadow. And sometimes it also speaks to a future reality. I was watching a documentary on Netflix the other day, and I thought it was awesome. Uh, it's called Fish People. I wish they would have titled it differently, but um, 
It's really a story about how six different people and how their experience with the ocean has changed their lives. And one of them was uh, a spear fisherman, and she was one of the best in the world. Uh, and she had grown up with her dad going out and just, and spear fishermen, just by the way, are people who, who, who go down without any a tank or equipment. They dive very deep, and they spear fish if you didn't catch that. And then they come back to the surface and she's become one of the best. And she said when she was out with her dad, what would happen is he would go, because he was very good at it as well, so he would go really deep. And until she saw his shadow, she would be a bit worried and concerned. Because the moment she saw her shadow, she knew her dad was close behind. So a shadow's not all bad, it's just never actually firm, strong. It's, it's actually not something you can depend on. I've never picked up a shadow. I've never leaned on a shadow. I've, I've, I've never thrown a shadow. It's always something that's not quite fully there. And Paul, in this letter and in this place, is talking about this idea that, that all these other traditions and all these other festivals and all these other rules, all these things are just a shadow of a substance. They are just a shadow of what was to come. And for many of us, we kind of live in that place where we live according to the shadow of what God called us into and not the substance of what he's called us into. So we might live in that place where we know there's a future reality of something, and that's, that's why in our hearts we know there's rights and wrongs. That's why at the beginning, it's one of C.S. Lewis's greatest arguments about the existence of God. The simple fact that we have some kind of moral code should speak to the idea that someone gave us it. The idea that we, we actually have a feeling of what is right and wrong. There's a feeling of when we cause pain or hurt. The, the, the idea, and someone would go, well, it's different across different cultures. Yeah, but the idea that it still exists, that we have a need or a feeling to somehow define what is right and okay, the even need to do that is an evidence that we understand that there should be some order. And so this, the rules are not there to kind of beat you up. They are there just to kind of say, hey, there's a future reality, that there is a God, that there is something greater that is on his way. But then the other side of it is that fear that we can live in the shadow of these rules and we can allow these things that were not meant to be our salvation. They were not meant to be the complete picture. They were not meant to be the thing that we leaned on and we depended on. They were not meant to be the fullness of our life in Christ. They were only there to tell us that there's something greater. But sometimes we live in that shadow and we are fearful of whether or not we're doing the things right or wrong, or if our past disqualifies us from the future Christ has for us, or if, 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 if something someone did to us, or the bitterness, or the, the hurt, or the offense, and we have to carry it forever. We, we get beat up by the shadows of something that isn't actually there for us to lean on or live according to. Or we just continue to live with a bit of fogginess. We just can't see the whole picture really, really well. We, we just tend to, to live with this kind of shifting idea of how God loves us or if he loves us or if he's for us because we haven't quite caught a full glimpse of who Jesus Christ is. And so Paul's writing this letter with the hope of making sure people understood that even with all the rules and all the stuff, uh, that, that that was not the full picture of salvation. That you can't earn it. That, that you can't do something to receive it. That Christ in, in himself is the fullness of our salvation. That he is the mystery. Not him plus. Not him minus. Not him divided by or multiplied by. It is him. Christ himself is the mystery of our salvation. And here, here he is dealing with people who are being pushed around and bullied by others. 
And, and, and the reason Paul's hammering this is, here's the thing, before Christ, sin was revealed. And so Paul even speaks to this idea. Paul speaks to this idea that, listen, the law was not given to save you. The law was given to help you understand you need to be saved. The law was not given to you to, to somehow complete your salvation. It was, it was given to you to help you understand that you got sin in your life. That you don't do it all perfectly and correctly. But before Christ, there was this sin revealed and we, there were certain traditions and certain things that you would do. And that, 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 that's not really how we live anymore. Because after Christ, it was sinners redeemed. Before Christ, it was sin revealed. But after Christ, it was sinners redeemed. Now it is not about the sin we have. It's about the one that came to set us free from all the things we struggle with, deal with, and are burdened by. And so the, if, we, if we step into a relationship with Christ and feel like all that's happening is sins being revealed, we have not fully understood what Christ came to do. What Christ came to do is to take the sin that was revealed in your life and redeem you from it, to buy you back, to take you back from the enemy, to take you back from what was, and to say to you, you have been set free. And that's actually what he begins to talk about, right? Don't let anyone with their human tradition or their high-sounding nonsense or their well-crafted arguments. I think sometimes we discount what arguments people are speaking and, and saying, and we just kind of go, well, no, that's not even a good... No, I think people have legitimate, well-crafted discussions they want to have with us. That's why I think believers should have some well-crafted discussions to have with them. I think the believers should be able to defend their faith. But here, let me just tell you, it is not about defending what is right and wrong. In fact, I would just argue that the Bible isn't about right and wrong. The Bible is about life and death. It's about health and sickness. It's about sin and salvation. It, 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 in fact, if you go back to the old commandments in the old, in the old Testament, which many people go, well, he just wants to tell you what to do. What he actually says is, if you will do these things, then you will prosper. The whole purpose of the law he gives us is so that we would understand there are things we could live in order, put things in order and get things together. So with all the well-crafted arguments, with all the things, don't be held captive. Don't, don't be dazzled by or distracted by. There's a bunch of different words for that word captive, but the simple idea is that you wouldn't allow your mind and your heart to be taken off course from keeping your heart on Christ Jesus. In fact, Colossians 3, we'll talk about next week, it talks about putting your mind on things that are above. Putting our hearts and minds on things that matter, that have some substance. Don't allow these things to, to beat you up or to push you back or to, to bring you into a place where, 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 uh, where, where you are bullied by right and wrong and bullied by tradition and bullied by... And some of us go, well, I don't have traditions. Well, that's kind of a tradition. I, I don't have systems. No, well, we all have systems. We all have things. We all have customs. They may not be uh, customs that everyone recognizes, but we all have customs, right? We, maybe the amount of times we go to church or the way we wake up, and we all have customs when it comes to our life, the way we do things, the regular way in which we do things. And, and many times we allow certain arguments from outside to begin to, 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 to put pressure on us to how we should live. And this is not just about religious customs, I think that's the other thing we have to understand. This is, while he is speaking very strongly towards the idea that you have some religious customs that you have to follow, don't let those things bully you. There are also customs that our culture tries to tell us we should do to be approved or to, to have acceptance or to, 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 to know. That, like, there, there are customs of this world, aren't there? 
There, there are certain traditions or certain expectations or certain things you have to live with. So Paul's challenging this whole idea, and he's, the whole purpose is to get you back to knowing who Jesus is. How many of you have ever, maybe this describes some of you having gone on a date recently. Um, they look good, sound good, but they just don't have any substance. Don't look at your husband or wife. I saw one of you, just making sure nobody else makes that mistake. How many ladies have ever seen a dude, hey, he looks good. He even sounds good. But I spent 12 minutes with that guy. He's got nothing to offer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I got, yeah, I got some people testify. And here's what happens. We kind of look at these pious, human wisdom, traditions, customs, they all look good, they sound good, but they don't do anything to curb the heart's desires for things that God doesn't desire for us. It's amazing that um, once I figure out how to live according to one rule, I find another one to break. If you have kids, you know this. Tell them not to do one thing, they'll figure out how to not do that one thing, and then go find something else to break. That's just who we are, man. We, we just have those issues in our life. We figure out one area of our life, and then we go break another one. These things, listen, all this stuff, it doesn't make you better. It doesn't make, look, it might help. There's certain things you can do to kind of sort some things out. But if they're not founded upon a substance, then at some point when you go to lean on it, when you go to trust in it, it will let you down. Because they aren't there for that. They're there to point to something else. Shadows always point to something else. The traditions and the customs and all those things, if we allow those to be the substance, we will find ourselves empty, frustrated, and discouraged. I don't care if you go six months living according to certain customs and it's still good for you. At some point, that thing fails you because it was never meant to be the thing you stood upon. So here's Paul going, no, listen, listen, that is, that, is, that is shadows. That is just a shadow, an unclear, fuzzy, sometimes not even real picture of what is to come. There is a substance, and it is Christ Jesus. And he goes on and begins to say, why would you subject yourself? He's actually getting onto the Colossians here saying, you have actually allowed yourself to get back into a place where you are subject to, and other translations say, bullied by, Anyone ever felt bullied by some rules, traditions, customs that you're supposed to uphold? And bullied by it, making you feel less than rather than approved in and, and, and accepted. You, you've actually been bullied by it or felt like an outsider. In fact, this whole idea of circumcision being brought up here was an exclusive thing. And it designated you exclusively. And here he goes, no, 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 no. No, no, the customs, no, that doesn't define you. It doesn't determine for you who you are. Christ did this on the inside of you, so it is not limited to one group of people or one type of person. It is now set up for all people. But it is possible for us to step back into the shadows. It is possible, even when we discover Christ, to receive it, to accept it, and then to still step back into the shadows of tradition, customs, regulations. It's easy for us sometimes to think that, well, because it sounds good, that that's the solution. And Paul really champions right off the front end. He says, listen, as you received him, walk in him. As you received him, simply, basically, Jesus. Supremely, Jesus. Sufficient, Jesus. He is it. Receive that, run with, 
that and let that be the thing that begins to shape you, mold you, and change you into who I've called you to be. Please don't go back into the shadows. And maybe that's for you, for me, the decision we have to make today is to come out of the shadows. To step out of the shadows of our life, to step out of the shadows of maybe the customs of this world, maybe the customs that we grew up with in church, the, the expectations people put on us, that we should step out of the shadows and live in a new reality. Because what does he say about baptism, which we're doing today, which I'd love if you've never been baptized to jump into? What does he say about it? He says, you died with Christ. I think sometimes we make that all about us. you got to die to you. No, no, no. Die with Christ. Die with him. Because he already paid the price. Identify with him. That's what baptism is. It's an identification with what Christ has already done. But if we step back into the shadows and we make it more than that, and we go, well, i, I, I got to fix this, and i got to figure out that, and I've got to make sure this makes sense, and i gotta, I got to, well, that tradition's a little, little bit sketchy for me, or I've not been consistent with that custom, or I, I haven't done this. Man, I didn't read my Bible yesterday. There's no way I can make a decision to follow Jesus today. i, I got to catch up somehow. No, 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 that would be you stepping out of the grace and goodness of Jesus back into the shadows of some kind of regulation. If you would simply focus on who you love and experiencing the love of Christ, the other things will follow. Christ thinks, Christ thinks so highly of himself that if you experience him and relationship with him, that you won't have to work at all the other stuff. I'm not trying to tell you it's easy and simple because there are well-crafted, high-sounding nonsense out there. Even in our own heads sometimes. And we cause ourselves to step out of the grace and the fullness of Christ into a place of customs and into a place of tradition. See, our baptisms aren't doing, uh, they're not there so that we could somehow check a box. They're there because we're saying to people, I'm fully identifying with Jesus today, right here, right now, and I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Everything's wrapped up in him. I am dying with him. And this is what I love about that verse, Colossians 2.12. I've died with Christ and I've been raised with him. I died with expectation. I died believing that he was going to raise me up. I died knowing that my old stuff is gone and I'm going to step into the new thing. I'm coming out of the shadows and I'm stepping out of the things that I thought qualified me, somehow made me righteous, somehow I would earn it or make my righteousness better. That Christ died on the cross and he did 80% of the work, but I got 20% of the work I got to figure out. That, that is to make his sacrifice null and void. Paul actually says this. In his other letters, he says, if you even at the least just try to fulfill righteousness, you have made his cross and his resurrection of no value. Just one, just trying to fulfill one law makes you take this thing out of his hands. But see, I, I think we have the, the, the shadow of our sin chasing us down, and we have to realize that we have a substance of the Savior. We have the shadow of our past, and we have to understand we have the substance that is the future. We have the shadow of our sickness, and we need to understand there's a substance, which is our healing. We have a shadow of our offenses and hurts and pains, and we have a substance that redeems and restores and renews us. 
We can't stay in the shadows of what was and what has been and what might be and the failures and the situations we've walked through and the experiences we've had. We must step into this life which is in Christ Jesus. And he is the substance, the new reality to live a new way. Not according to some customs, not according to some high-sounding nonsense, but according to the substance which is Christ Jesus. I don't know what shadow has chased you down. And maybe you're dealing with the shadow that, that you know there's a future reality and you know there's something to be done. You know there's a new life for you, but, but you, you, you've you seen the shadows of what could be and, and, and you've just kind of been waiting and you're waiting and expecting and expecting and maybe today is your day to go, this is it. This is the time. The new life is now. I'm not dying just to myself. I'm dying with Christ because I'm going to be raised to life with Christ in a newness and a breakthrough. Or maybe some of you just a shadow. You can't quite get the picture right. You're seeing things, but you're not seeing all of it. You, you've just kind of got a small part of it, but you, you know there's more. You know there's something greater. You know there's a, a fullness that you, if you could just get to the substance that lights everything up, the substance that makes everything full, the substance that you can stand on and believe in, and no longer you have to move around to find the right kind of lighting or find the, no, Jesus is it. There is no custom that will light things up the way Jesus can in your life. Or maybe, maybe, just maybe, there's many of us here who are dealing with fear. Dealing with some kind of past issue or even current addiction or some kind of sin or some kind of thing that has just continued to beat us down. Continued to make us sit on the stairs waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and just hoping that everything is okay. We're just afraid. We're sitting there on the couch looking out the window going, no, there's a snake. I can't move. I can't go to bed. In fact, that's what he said. I can't go to sleep. There's a snake outside. So said, well, he's outside. And maybe that's where you've been for far too long, just beaten up by customs and traditions and ways of doing things. And you need to get back to just knowing Jesus. Just know Christ. That's it. Listen, we'll figure everything else out down the road. The first priority, the first hope, and it's Paul's prayer in Ephesians, that you would experience the love of Christ, even though you would not be able to understand it fully, because it's just that good, but for you to experience the love of Jesus. And today, I, I, I want to encourage you, challenge you to step out of the shadows. And yes, for some of you, you're like, well, no, I have good traditions, I have good customs, but none of those validate you. They should be a result of a relationship that you've found in Christ Jesus that is the fullness and the substance and the reality of a new life. I want to bow your heads and I want to pray Colossians 2 over you. Last week we prayed Ephesians 3. Today I just want to pray Colossians 2 over your life. And then I'm going to ask some of you to make a decision today about where you're going to stand. Are you going to stand in the shadows of customs, of sin, of past hurts and past pains and past things, and certain expectations? Or are you going to step into and stand upon the substance which is Christ Jesus, the solid rock upon which you can build any house and build any future because he's with you and he's for you? I want to read Colossians 2, just two verses out of Colossians 2 and pray this over you. If you bow your head, close your eyes. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus... Continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. And let your lives be built on him. 
Let your faith grow strong in the truth that you were taught and overflow with thanksgiving. Lord, I pray over everyone in this place today, God, who just seems to be living in the shadows. Things haven't been clear for them. Maybe the last few weeks has begun to clarify some things about who Jesus is, and they want to step into that. Or maybe for some of us, we've grown up in church, and so we have all these these ideas that, man, I'm valuable, man, I'm accepted, I get that, I understand that, but we haven't fully walked in that. We, we received it at one point in our life, but, man, we have gotten away. We've got captured by, dazzled by, distracted by some high-sounding, pious ideas, none of which have actually curbed the issues in my life. I want to know the substance, not the shadows. I want to know the substance of Christ. I want to know him fully. He is the substance, the reality of a new thing. Or maybe for the first time today, for the very first time, we're discovering that he is supreme and he is the substance of a new life. And I want to die with him and be raised with him into a new way of life. Because the warrants, the charges against us have all been canceled by the grace and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is nothing anyone can hold over us. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because he has canceled our debt. He has taken away our sin. He has redeemed our future and he has, he has cleansed our past and he has set us free. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God, I will not allow us to walk out of here thinking that somehow we have to do something to walk in your grace and purpose and mercy. Today, we walk in it simply and wholly because you showed up because of your great love for us. And I will not walk in the shadows anymore. I'm set free. I have new life. That's you today. In just a moment, I'm going to ask those who want to be baptized to step into a new way of life, to step into a new thing, I'm going to ask them to step out. But if you today want to make a decision to be baptized, if you today want to make a decision to step into new life, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to step up with those that are being baptized and walk out this side door here in just a moment. But for some of you today, just the first thing I want to deal with, if there are those of you who feel like you've walked in the shadows, this thing hasn't been clear, it's been difficult, or you've been bullied by it, or you've been captured by some other things, and you've walked in the shadows of what was, and you need to walk in the substance of what is, if that's you today, and I just want to pray with you to step out from guilt, to step out from shame, to step out from uh, unacceptance, to step out from those things and walk in identity and security in Christ Jesus. If that's you, you want to step out of the shadows. Not necessarily just be baptized today, but you just want to step out of the shadows. You want to walk in a new way of life. If that's you, would you just right now raise your hand? I want to pray over you. Is there anybody in here that just wants to do that? Thank you. I see that. Thank you, man. I see that. Anybody else? Just raise your hand real high. I'm going to pray with you. Thank you, buddy. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm going to pray with you. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Would you stand with me? God, I thank you for today. God, I pray that as those who've just raised their hand, God, I pray that we would champion them in stepping into a new way of life, that they would receive the grace that is in Christ Jesus. They would receive it and run with it. They would step into it, never, ever, ever thinking that somehow they got to earn it, figure it out. God, if they just keep their eyes upon you, if they would keep their heart trusting you, if they would trust the mighty power of God, then they would walk in a new way of life. Lord, I pray they would never make it about their 
ability to perform or to make things happen, God, but they would be, make it all about knowing you, loving you, walking with you, and in that you would produce in them everything they've ever desired, wanted, and the things that you desire for them. I'm going to ask all those who are getting baptized today to go ahead and step out of your seat and head through this curtain here. And if you would like to be baptized today, if, if you would like to make a decision to follow Christ and step into baptism, we would love for you to do that as well. You can step out now if you'd like to do that. Anybody else want to do that, just make your way that direction. And Pastor Mary is going to come up in just a moment. That's awesome. I'm excited about this. This is going to be a blast. Happy birthday, C3 Fort Worth. It's just, just the beginning of things to come. <laughs>